Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Justin from the Survival of the Artist podcast, and we are back with episode 18. And this time I have Nate Rose as my special guest. What is up, Nate Rose? What's going on, man? So, Nate, I've I've kind of been seeing Nate's moves in the background for like the last year or two. And then we we finally had a conversation at A3C this year in Atlanta. And I would say it was actually a pretty dope conversation. Uh, I think we were talking probably for like an hour in the in the midst of like so much that was going on. Um, you are friends with a lot of people that I would consider friends or or like very good acquaintances in the music industry. Mm-hmm. So I guess it was just a matter of time uh, before we did this. And now I, I kind of know what you do, and I thought you would be really dope to be on this podcast that talks about how indie artists survive and give their tips. Yeah, so, man. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate uh, you thinking of me. Yeah. So let's let's go right in. Who are you? What do you do? And what would you say is your claim to fame? Okay, so um, my name is Nate Rose. I'm a rap artist and entrepreneur based here in Nashville. Um, I am a musician, so I own three different businesses. I have my artist career, which is Nate Rose. I own a media production company called Nate Rose Media and a music marketing agency called Soundfoil. And so these three elements kind of help leverage each other. Um, and so that's essentially what I do. That's my full-time uh, situation between those three uh, entities. Um, I would say my claim to fame, what, what, what do you mean by claim to fame? Like my biggest career win to date or something that well, I'm I, known for? I guess, what, I guess what do you think like people would know you for if like, the, oh, that's Nate Rose. This is the guy who does, you know, sort okay. of that. Yeah, um, I think that... Uh, a lot of people see me as a um, kind of like uh, an entrepreneurial, like, uh, I'm sorry, an entrepreneurial spirit, like, um, you know, businessman uh, type situation, I guess. Right. Um, yeah, I, you did. I mean, and you did say that in your intro, like musician, entrepreneur, like you have it up there. And I guess a lot of artists probably are in in somewhat of a way an entrepreneur because right because they're creating something themselves that they're trying to market and sell to people but a lot of people i feel like don't have that mindset you're fully aware of what you're doing right right yeah i mean i come from the corporate marketing world and so um i've been trying to be a you know a musician full-time for about 10 years at this point and you know i went to college for music business i graduated from mtsu and then i and then I took a social media director position at a national finance company and then went from there to, to work at a tech insurance company called Assurian, um, doing digital marketing. And then uh, till I was able to basically scale up my business to the point that I was able to do it full time. So, um, yeah, I think that I, I come into this from, um, you know, a marketing and, and business standpoint. Uh, but music was like the start of the passion. I think I just developed those other interests and skill sets out of a necessity to, to build a thriving independent uh, artist career. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, that makes total sense. I mean, uh, music and, you know, journalism and media in general kind of mirror each other in a lot of ways that people don't think about. Like if, if you want to just go back 20 years, let's say uh, a news publication, you had your, your reporter, then you had a camera guy, then you had a mic, someone right. just holding the microphone then you had an editor, then you, you know, you had all these different people, producers. Now you're just one reporter with an iPhone. You got to shoot the story, tell the story, write the story, edit the story. Right. You're your own sound person. Um, so that necessity to try to just be that jack of all trades, I feel like is, is just kind of paralleled through many of these creative industries. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. Um, but I think it, in my opinion, um, probably your opinion as well, being that you're all for independent artists and stuff, is that it's more of a blessing um, because, yes, we have to do it um, all now. But doing it all now, we're able to actually create without having the overhead, right? So you're able to have a, right. a platform or a podcast or a show or whatever and be able to do that because what technology has provided you. Um, so now you don't have to have the camera guy, the the boom mic operator, the, the studio set, all that kind of stuff. 
um, that you would have had to have had traditionally. And, you know, the parallels to that with the music industry, just from the tech technology side of things is even in creation of music, like the, the cost to produce music is so much cheaper than it used to be. So like there's virtually no overhead outside of the, the, you know, assets that I already have, you know, my equipment that I've paid for, that was my initial investment. But um, outside of that, I can essentially produce a song that is ready to go start to finish with no overhead. Um, and before, you know, that, that just simply wasn't possible, um, especially w- for bands, right? And with bands, it's still like a very yeah. difficult thing because you don't have the recording capabilities to capture all of the live instrumentation. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think the, the playing fields have been, um, you know, leveled in terms of, uh, of that. And I think it, everyone has so much more access than they've ever had to be able to do something uh, that they're passionate about. So, yeah, and therein also lies the con is the fact that anybody can do it. And sometimes, or oftentimes, maybe those people shouldn't be doing it. Or, yep. or again, to kick it back to a journalist standpoint, say that there's a, like a crime scene or like something crazy happening. The news people got to get there, but a 12-year-old kid with a phone could go on Facebook Live and break the story. Right, so, right. So um, there, there's always that aspect of it too. Yeah, I can't speak to the journalism side of things because I think that that it, definitely what you have just described is a, a much bigger issue. From a music perspective, I'm not really worried about the saturation because the market still weeds out all the other people. Like the people who perform the True. best, who make the best content, who make the best music, who have the best personality and brand, they're still going to cut through the noise regardless. Like you can't trick the market like that. Um, and so that's never been a concern for me because I, I've always you know, said that, yeah, there's a lot of noise, but since there's so much noise, it's that much easier to be remarkable or be seen as remarkable when you're doing something that, that is, you know, outside of the norm, right? They see so much of the average that when Uh you're able to do something that is exceptional, it's, it's, you know, even more impressive. Yeah. I like that. That's, that's a good comeback. Um, so you kind of, you kind of touched on this a little bit already, but how long did it take you to get to where you're at right now, as far as music in your career? Um, yeah, we're coming up basically on 10 years. Um, so I started my, the end of my, yeah, about the middle of my freshman year in high school, I was in a few different bands. I started playing drums in, in eighth grade. I was in a metal band. I was, um, in, a uh, bluegrass um, jazz, jazz band, like all kinds of different stuff. I was just basically in love with the idea of making music for a living. Um, Uh I had passions before that, but this is when music started to kind of take over. Um, and so what happened is like, I I was really into all kinds of music, you know, across, across the board at this time, I had been just making some rap songs for fun. I had a little $15 computer mic that my uncle had given me. And I was just making beats from loops that I was pulling off a looperman. And I would just pull them in. So like, I thought I was a beat maker or producer or whatever, but I was just like stacking <laughs> loops. Um, but what happened with, was, you know, in this metal band, I was the guy that's like, Hey, we got to get photo shoots done. We need to like write songs. We need to start booking shows. And, um, you know, we would meet once a week for band practice. And sometimes our guitar player wouldn't show up or, you know, or the bass player wouldn't show up. And so then we would, mm-hmm. you know, skip. And then, um, it just became like, I was dependent, my success, uh, you know, to become a successful musician was dependent on other people. And that really didn't make sense for me. Um, and so, you know, I, I started to take rap more seriously then, um, as like a viable course because I was already into it. I didn't really think that I was, uh, I, I guess good enough to, to do it, but I think that was the turning point where I was like, let me just, yeah, let me like focus on this more and see if I can try to take this more seriously. Um, yeah. And after that, it was just, you know, sophomore year in high school. I was like, okay, like this is what I'm going to do. Um, mm-hmm. graduated and, and went to uh, college for music, um, for music business. And then yeah, the rest is history from there. Um, so that brings us to today, I guess. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, it was pretty cool. There's a lot of parallels in your story from like different things that I did. Like I started playing drums when I was in eighth grade. Um, okay. There we go. Mainly, mainly doing uh, like punk music at the time. Right. Uh, Then, you know, worked my way into, you know, some metal and some heavier stuff. And then I realized I'm probably not a good drummer when I realized that I wasn't good enough to probably drum in my own band. So I was like, hey, let's, uh, 
let me start doing some vocals and stuff. And I got I got really into hip hop, started rapping, started doing a little of like the heavier, you know, some screaming, some different stuff like uh -huh. that. Um, and I've actually been in a band for about 10 years, actually a little longer in the same band. And now finally coming to that point where it's just like, like you kind of said, I've been trying to be dependent on the success of, you know, and cooperation of a bunch of other people with me. Right. And nobody ever has that same passion that you do. Right. And unfortunately for me, it took me like 10 years to fully realize that. Um, so I missed a big window of stuff. But I mean, I can definitely relate to everything you're saying because I've been there. And I think once you realize, and you realized it early, that you can't be dependent on other people to carry places. And that even applies to like work, to anything, like anything you want to chase, you just have to do it yourself. And it's going to be hard, but once you get it, it's yours and it's completely yours. And I feel like that's an awesome feeling. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And what, what's crazy is like, that's the place that I come from, which is, you know, I came up in a city, like I grew up in a city where there was no music scene, like nobody was trying to do what I was trying to do. It was that very like mm -hmm. small city mentality. And um, so I feel like I kind of came up in a vacuum. Um, YouTube was like, taught me everything. Um, and now, you know, I've become so married to the idea of like doing things myself. Um, a big part of that is because I just didn't have access to anyone. And then as mm -hmm. I started getting better at things, um, you know, like then it was a money situation because it was like, oh, I, you know, I can't afford to just spend a hundred dollars for a piece of graphic art. I might as well just do it myself. Um, I and do it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the unfortunate thing is like now time is becoming like the, the most valuable resource, which I mean, I guess it always yeah. has been, but like, yeah, but now it's like, if I really want to take my stuff to the next level, then I have to really focus on writing great songs and not, you know, spend a couple hours doing the graphics and doing all the other stuff. But what I, what I've gotten to now is I continue to price myself out of the market of, of what it works for me. So like basically in order for me to find someone who's better at me at a certain task, all the people in that, that classification of people that are better than me, um, are still outside of the price range that I'd be willing to spend based on like the return on investment that I see from it. <laughs> and it's like this constant yeah. cycle It's really unfortunate. Like as I get better at mixing now, I'm like, you know, I don't really want to do the mixing anymore. Like, let me pass it off. But then the mix engineers are like all charging like five, $600 a track. The ones that, the ones that I, when I'm like, Hey, your stuff is like, killer. You know what I mean? You know, and there, there's people yeah. that are even higher than that, but it just puts me in a position where I continue to like, as my skill set increases, I'm continuing to price myself out as I go forward. But I think at some point, um, I'll just go ahead and, and pay for, for some of those things. Um, it just, it just has to make sense, like, you know, financially, but, um, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, uh, that, uh, that some of that stuff will happen. Maybe we'll, we'll start making enough money that we can just do that. And it actually makes more sense to do that because in that time frame, I can just make another song. So. Well, well, let me ask you this based off of that. Like you technically are a full-time artist, but you have like other jobs and stuff. So mm -hmm. could you, could you be a full-time artist without the other stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say about okay. eight, 80% of my income is, is, um, passive income from streaming revenue and publishing income. Um, Oh, that's awesome. And I, so, I, I don't mind getting specific. Um, it, it, but I don't know if that's something you're comfortable with or whatever on the, on your podcast. Hey man, this, this, this is, this is all about you. So if you, if you want to, you, you get detailed as, as you want. Well, I mean, I, mean, I if, if, if you feel like it's good content and you feel like people can learn from it or whatever, that's exactly what I want. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, that's the only reason I, I would even entertain it because like I, I get something of value out of hearing uh, other people talk about the, the kinds of money that they're making from certain places in, in their stage. Like, hey, what's this situation look like for you? Like, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah. from a streaming perspective, I'm doing close to a million streams a month across platforms. Um, so I'm bringing in about nice. 3,000 to 3,500 a month um, passively from the streaming income. So there's awesome. that at this current, uh, situation. And then from the publishing side, um, I'll end up anywhere between like 
probably 10 to 20,000, um, in a year. Um, which, which the publishing situation that I have right now pays out, uh, biannually. So I basically get two different, two different checks from that. Um, so that's like the, the lion's share of my income now, um, on the music video side of things, uh, that just depends on like how, how active we are. Um, we did no big deals, previous three music videos. We did the John Chris, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. check your heart music video. We've done a few others. Um, so that just depends on how active it is, but I don't count on that money. Um, streaming for me has allowed, uh, n- not only is it passive, but it's created now that I have a certain base level of fans. Um, it's created a situation where there is predictability in my music career now in terms of revenue. So like, that was like the big thing, you know, for like, say photographers, for example, right. like you you, your salary is dependent on your ability to continue to get clients. And so I've scaled my music career up enough that I'm pretty much guaranteed a base level of streams per month, um, just based on the scale. And so that has given me some predictability and peace of mind that is like, Hey, you know what? Like I see that where these numbers are and they're, they're staying here and where they're going. And so I, I can basically take the leap to do this full time. Yeah, that that's awesome, man. Million streams a month is uh is nothing uh you know nothing to slouch at. And hey, it's ten, crazy ten that years you, in the you, making, man. Yeah, it only took ten years, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, it only took ten uh, years to, to make a, a salary. <laughs> yeah, man, I took ten years and I still have nothing to show for it. So I mean you you're doing well. And it's crazy though that you, you think of a million streams, but it only equates to like three thousand dollars, which which is a whole nother story for for a different day but i want to actually skip ahead to a different like a question i was going to ask later on because i think it fits with this sure so how do you feel that technology has changed music and where do you see it going from here like what else could possibly happen oh my goodness um oh there's a lot you'd like this yeah yeah there's a lot to (laughs) unpack so i'm trying to you know this is off the cuff all right so um one thing i would say is that I'll reiterate the point that the playing fields have been leveled um, a lot between uh, major labels and independent artists. So um, I've given this anecdote before, but I'll I'll say it again. Um, In the past, we didn't have control over the distribution, right? If you didn't have a major label distribution deal with the way that we consumed music um, through buying CDs, you had to have your music in in a Walmart or an FYE or one of those types of stores in order for your passive yeah. person who wasn't a fanatic to just like stumble upon you, see a cool artwork and be like, I'm just going to buy this CD. This looks dope. Um, and the, the problem is, yeah, if you didn't have major label distribution, you just did not have that opportunity. So you weren't really in the game, right? Therefore you had uh-huh. a specific pathway. Um, so fast forward to today, I'm on Spotify. Drake is on Spotify. We're playing on the same platforms. Um, so that's, that's a big benefit. Um, technology wise, uh, from like all of your different, um, like advertising platforms. So Facebook and, and, you know, Facebook advertising and, and Google AdSense and all these different things. Um, they have provided a, a platform that independent artists can use. And also universal music group has to use those if they want to market on those platforms, right? They don't get like a special, yeah you know, a special tool that we're not able to use. So, um, there's another example. I think it's gotten cheaper to create music. So now the necessity for a recording advance, um, isn't there. Um, and you know, in, in terms of like the distribution back to circle, you know, to circle back to that, like it's virtually free to get your music on this, these sites, you know, I use DistroKid, mm-hmm. um, which is essentially like $20 a year. Uh, and then you get to upload as much music as you'd like, um, so yeah, I, I think this is the golden age of independent artistry and I think it's going to only go up from here. Um, I think there are some serious disruptors. Um, this publishing situation that I have is a bit of a different music or like a bit of a different business model than like a traditional publishing deal. So I own all of my publishing. Um, I license it out to a company that has a blanket license. So they have subscribers there and their and their subscribers are video creators. So Okay. They get to use any music in that library for any, anything. And then I get paid per the download. So, um, these type of situations are really undercutting major publishing companies because now they no longer like where, where publishing companies would have an easy time, you know, 
just landing a, a song for $10,000 for a commercial placement. Like these companies now can pay a few hundred dollars for a yearly subscription fee. And then they're able to use any song in that catalog for yeah. that for free. But it's really beneficial for people that are in my, my situation where all of a sudden now I'm getting huge placements on Adidas, ESPN, Vogue, you know, Gary V, like all these huge places. Um, I'm getting a streaming increase from the number of people who are shazamming the music. Um, and then I'm also getting like an extra, you know, 10 to $20,000 in, in revenue um, from that. So I, I think that there are so many things that are shifting and changing. I think it's still kind of the wild West. Like I've introduced some new music business yeah. models that I think are going to be um, really, you know, unique as they, as they continue to pan out. And so I'm just, I'm just taking it in stride. I think this is like a great time to be an independent artist. I, I wouldn't want to be in any other situation. Yeah, it's it's almost like a, a level playing field with like the really super famous signed people because you have sort of the same access as they do. Right. Except they have millions of dollars behind them, but at the same time, you don't necessarily at this very moment need those millions of dollars to do some of the things that they do. Right. I you mean, know, at the end of the except day, except for like, t- you know, yeah, like you yeah. can get it done on your own. Technically, you just have to, you know, work. Yeah. I, I mean, at the end of the day, a record label is a marketing agency that owns your masters. Um, and, right. and that, you know, in, in some sense, they're, you know, capital, you know, like a bank in some situations. But um, the way that I look at it is like the, the missing item here for a lot of artists is having that marketing knowledge. Like, if you don't know how to run Facebook and Instagram ads, then, you know, somebody in that position could work wonders for you. But like what, what I'm saying is like if you're able to learn the items that these, you know, that these follow the tactics and stuff that these major labels are doing, like you can do them. You have the same kind of access. Um, you know, I, I tell this to a lot of independent artists, but uh, record labels have three major things that like independent artists need right? Um, and one of them is a, a team, right? So they have a staff full of people, right? They have a bunch of people working and these are very specialized people. So they have that, but that translates to an artist as their team, right? So if you know somebody who's an engineer, you know, somebody who does Photoshop, you know, all this, you basically have that, but on a smaller scale, right? And you can work your way up to that. Right. Uh, they, they have a network, right? So yeah, you can't get, uh, you know, Jimmy Fallon's producer on the phone, but I'm sure you know some YouTube blog that, you know, that that you're some guy who runs a YouTube blog that can get your music posted or somebody who owns a Spotify playlist that can get you in there. So you don't have the network of like a major label, but you start down and you work your way up. But the third part, and this is like the biggest piece of the puzzle for me is I think people really don't understand the, the level of capital that is invested into artists. So like it's money, you know? And so you'll have artists who spend, you know, a couple hundred dollars for a beat here and then they'll record. And so they'll pay 35 an hour for recording and then they'll get it mixed and mastered and then they'll get some graphics done and then they'll shoot a music video Mm -hmm. and they're like $1,500 in the hole. And then they just go here. It's on social media. Please listen to it. And then after two days, everybody is like, okay, you know, we get it. And then that's it. And then you're on to the next one. But like, that's not what major labels are doing. Um, and they're spending a lot of money. I just don't think people understand it. Like, um, I have this on good authority, but, um, you know, NF's music video, uh, the one that he was in the, the airplane, um, do you know which one I'm talking yeah. about? The broken yeah, down Yeah, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was, that was before Let You Down. So that was before he even had like the radio hit and all that. Like the production budget alone for that music video was $80,000. You know what I'm saying? Easily. Like, yeah. Just, just for one music video and that's just for the production that does not even take into account like marketing it once it's been out. So, um, you know, and, and to the, to the same point, it's like, you don't have all of that capital, but you have something that you can work with. And for me, you know, I spent part of my come up was I got really good at Facebook and Instagram ads. And, and, in uh, basically the top of 2018, I was doing 150 streams a day on Spotify. Um, and basically at the top of 2019, I was doing four and a half thousand streams a day on Spotify. And that was basically through spending $12,000 on Instagram, Facebook and Instagram ads throughout that year as I had releases. Right. So 
I, you know, there were other, there were other things that I was doing in there, but that was like the, the big driving factor. But that $12,000 now, you know what I'm saying? Like now I have, you know, gross revenue. I make that back in, in like three months, you know what I'm saying? So that was an investment yeah. in it because it just scaled it up and, you know, uh, yeah, it, like a lot of artists that just start with something, you know what I'm saying? See what you can do. Maybe even just buy some physical stuff, like see what putting up some posters, like spend a hundred dollars on posters and put them around, you know, your city or, you know what I'm saying? Staple them to something like if you're, especially if you're not in a big city, um, cause it'll be that much more noticeable, but like, there are so many things that you right. can do with even $50, you know what I'm saying? Go on TikTok and reach out to TikTokers and, you know, offer some 15 year old kid who has a hundred thousand followers and doesn't know what to do with it. Give him $10 to make a video to your song. You know what I mean? And so yeah, you, you can work with, you can idea. work with whatever, but it's like, and as your income scales, you can invest more in your business. Um, but I think that a lot of independent artists aren't even paying attention to that at all. And I think that's a problem. And I think a lot of it comes because they think that record labels just have a magic button that like blows people up. But if you, if you looked at a record label roster and, and see how many artists that you've never heard of that have been signed for two, three years, you, you know, you'd be surprised. And so, um, and you've heard all of the, the horror stories and stuff, you know, for some of these, these label deals that oh, have gone yeah. awry that are just, you know, sitting on the music or like trying to rebrand someone or whatever the case is. Um, there's a lot of that, you know, even, uh, you know, in the Christian hip hop scene that, that have, has uh, come up. So, you know, I think that, that artists need to start becoming familiar with investing in themselves and you have to treat your, your independent artist career like a business. Sorry for that tangent. I just kind of went way off, but, uh, no, no, that was great because, Listen, everybody who's listening to this podcast right now, those were gems. Take those gems and go and go turn them into diamonds. <laughs> Cuz there was a lot there was a lot of good stuff in there. And and like you're right, like people don't pay attention to that stuff and there's no excuse because we were born into this age. Like it's not like we're asking like a 50, 60, 70 year old person to be like, here, here's like a computer, figure out Facebook marketing. Right. It's like, no, like we've, we've been alive and grew up with social media, with all of these different platforms. And you're younger than I am, but like, even still, I remember when these things were starting and I was also on them. Yeah. So there really isn't... (laughs) Yeah, I was there from I was there for Zanga, which was before MySpace. Oh, not yeah, that was that's I don't I didn't I was not familiar with that one. Yeah, see, there you go. So I just taught you something, even though it's there. We go. Let's useless. go. <laughs> <laughs> go go start a Zanga. You're missing out on a platform that probably a thousand people across the world still use that you could reach. That's crazy, but, man. Yo, MySpace is such a crazy thing because like the whole Justin I Timberlake picked it up and like, but then like I don't I don't know. The way that yeah, that was you thought he out. was going to bring it back. It yeah, like, I, dude, it, it fell so flat. Anyway, I don't know anything about MySpace, but um, but yeah. So yeah, I mean, there there really is no excuse to not to not like know these things or to at least try. You know, just mess around with it. Find somebody you know who believes in you to help you out. Like, there there are so many different ways that you can go about doing that. All right, let me hit you with the next thing. All right, so. Let's talk about those tweets that I initially hit you up with uh, about networking and, and getting actual FaceTime people, uh, FaceTime with people yep. in the industry. Not not FaceTime as in on the phone, but like an actual no, face-to-face like conversation with yeah. people. Real FaceTime before FaceTime, um, which is kind of, you know, how, how we spoke, like I mentioned in the beginning. It was sort right. of like a, a final face-to-face conversation. But those tweets, and maybe I'll link them um, somewhere in here. Uh, I thought those were, it was pretty wise. Um, yeah, that was just occasionally I'll go on a Twitter rant about something that is just you know, <laughs> pertinent to me. Um, and so, you know, part of the frustration that led to that is like, I'm trying to get people to like meet, you know, I, I don't like to do this whole thing, especially like it's hard to convey value when you don't know, like how you can be valuable to someone. And so like, and for me, like that's the, that's the approach that I want. I want to become valuable to the person I'm trying to network with. Um, because then, then that just opens up all the opportunity. Right. Um, 
You know, so right. if, if you and I were talking, let's say I'm a Christian hip hop artist, you and I are talking and I'm, and I'm a rapper that wants to get on your platform. Duh. You know what I'm saying? And like, how many times yeah. do you just get approached or an email sent to you? And it's like, bro, like check out my music. Like you post me, you know? And unsolicited like DMS and tweets coming my way or people commenting. What really irks me is I'll put up a picture of, of my son or my kids and someone will be like, yo, check out my new song. And I'm man. like, block. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's super thirsty. There's a <laughs> man, a time and a place and an approach. But like, yeah, I, I mean, for me, like, I, I don't want that dynamic because that doesn't make me any different than anybody else. Um, I want right. a dynamic where there's something else that I can add, you know. And so um, when I was like, the best way to get that is, is you know, to have a conversation. I'm, I'm very like in favor of like hopping on a phone call to conduct business because I don't want to sit here and text, you know, a thousand messages in order to like feel like we connected and you know it doesn't uh-huh. really feel like that most of the time and, and people don't have time to sit around all day and message you when you're trying to connect but like a 20 minute phone call would capture a day's worth of text so anyway um those uh-huh. tweets are it was sparked by that by you know it becoming difficult to get people on the phone but the tweets were basically addressing um how getting face to face with someone is so crucial uh, especially being that everybody is trying to network on, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, before there was a sort of a layer of secrecy, which is you, if you didn't know the person's email, you just couldn't like get to them, that type of thing. But now with Instagram DMS and Twitter DMS, like it's like, it's just this constant flooding, you know, that's, that's like Instagram Mm -hmm. has become like the new virtual business card. Like people aren't even using business cards anymore. Um, it's like, yo, what's your Instagram? Let's connect. Yeah. Just at me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I think now more than ever, it's super important to get that. And and then I think I, I I don't have the tweets pulled up, but I think I went on to say something along the lines of like how, how it becomes frustrating because also within that framework, it's like, you got to get people in, in person. And it's hard to do when people are like, just hit me on Instagram. But it's like, no, like I'm trying to establish something on a deeper level you know, and plus I like to get to know people. Like I don't want to work with people that I just know on a, on a surface level. Like I would like to, you know, do I feel like you're a good person? Like, do I feel like you would do good business? Do I feel like I can trust you? You know, right. that, that takes real conversation. Like in, in my opinion, you know, it's really hard to like know somebody just via text. I mean, there's so much context you don't get. There's so much um, to body language. If you're in front of someone, there's so much to mm-hmm. tone Absolutely. of voice. You know what I mean? And so there are all these different things that I think play into that. And so, yeah, I, you know, in terms of networking, it's like I collected, I went to A3C. Um, that's where we talked at. And, uh-huh. you know, I, I got all the contact information and this and that. But like my goal there was to follow up with somebody and try to set up a lunch meeting. Um, because if I was able to, you know, lock in a few of the key connections and get more FaceTime with them, then that's what I was aiming for. So like, if I couldn't get a lunch meeting, I was trying to be at an event that they were at that I could like talk with them afterwards. So like one of the most fruitful ones for me was there was a, uh, like a speed, speed dating type setup. It was basically like tables with somebody huh. from SoundCloud, somebody from, uh, um, United masters, like all these different things. Right. And it was like, uh, it was at the Google headquarters in Atlanta. And so I went up there, there's a networking event. It was like nine o'clock, right? Everybody was going, I think, it might've been the Meg the stallion show was that night, but like, I'm not interested in like, that's dope that she's playing, but like, I'm trying to like, you know, do something for my career. You, so, so you I went there and actually, and actually took advantage of what the conference is about. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I mean, I, I paid for it and you know, it's a, right. it's a business write off, but it's still, <laughs> but I still want to get the benefit. I still spent the money, but no. So I, I go there and you know, my goal is like to get, to talk with these people, have an intelligent conversation. Um, and, and, and I really, really grilled these people. I mean, um, anybody that was in the room, the questions that I was asking and stuff, it really put people in uncomfortable positions. Um, because, and, and I wanted to do that because I wanted to, to establish myself as like um, somebody who knows what's going on. Um, you know, not only, what, what's crazy is it's not only to the people on the panel, but it's to the people in the, in the crowd as well. But um, you know, by asking good questions like that and asserting myself in that way, I was able to, to catch them afterwards. I was able to exchange phone numbers. Um, and so now next time I'm in that city, wherever they, wherever they live at, 
um, you know, I'll circle back with them and see if I can do lunch. And if I can do that, that'll be the second or third, you know, time that I've gotten some FaceTime with them. And there's not a specific ask. Like, I don't know what I'm going to ask the, the head of hip hop at SoundCloud. Like, I mean, obviously I know what I could get. I mean, like, right. like what I could ask for, not what I could get, but, but it's like, to me, I, I still have no value to him. Right. And so like, right. there's, I don't, I'm not going to just ask him. I'm not going to send him my new single. Like that's what everyone is doing. And I would prefer to actually build something real than, than maybe four years down the road. It's time to be like, Hey bro, like, how, do you think I can get this, this banner on this SoundCloud? Because like, you know what I'm saying? Like this is the, yeah. or whatever. And I have a foot in the door cause we've established a, a relationship beyond a, a one, like a very one-sided transactional situation. Like you want him to ask you, like you want him to be interested in you. And in yeah, order I mean, to that get would be to amazing. that point, right. In order to get to that point, you need to build some sort of rapport. Like he, like th- these people are getting, you know, hundreds, thousands of, you know, sort of submissions and people trying to hound them for their attention. Right. Um, but then if you build that relationship, they might come up to you and say, all right, so, you know, we've been talking and everything. Like, what do you do? Let me, let me check out some of your stuff. Yep. You know, what, what, yep. what can we do? And that's it. Like you've established, you got somebody who doesn't probably would never care about you on the regular to actually care about you and invest his time and efforts into what you're doing. Right. And that would, that's, that was the whole, you know, networking goal that you set out to have. Yeah, And that would be a success. And one of the, one of the other things that, you know, and this is a struggle too, because, um, especially with people like that, it's like, it's really hard to uncover what value you can bring to somebody, right? You know, the Mm -hmm. positions that they have in their job or whatever. Right. But like, yeah, between you and me, you know, like if, if I'm a Christian hip hop artist and you're a writer, it's like, there's a, a clear dynamic here. Right. And that's on the surface. Right. And, you know, through some actual conversations, we start to like connect and now we discover that, Hey, you have a podcast and I'm an independent artist doing some things. And this is a convergent point. Hey, I'd be happy to be on your podcast. You know, and maybe that leads to something, you know, for me as a Christian hip hop artist, which I'm not, but, um, but you know what I'm saying? Like that, that is a, a different approach. And so I think sometimes it can be really hard to identify like what that is. And that's, that's why I like to get that FaceTime or that conversation. But, um, that also speaks to why I'm sort of doing three different businesses, right? So I have skill sets that I've developed out of necessity to, to use in my own career, um, like video production capabilities or like the marketing knowledge. Um, but what I found is like being a rapper, my dynamic with other people, you know, is very like one-sided, right? Like, you know, in some ways I'm really beneficial. Like I'm very beneficial to a producer who's trying to sell me beats, right? They're wanting to get to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but what I wanted to do is have a different value proposition for different situations. So in most situations that I'm in now, being that I have the framework of these, these three different businesses that I'm operating, um, I can find a value proposition that interests somebody beyond like the typical thing. So I'll give you a, an example of someone who's, um, basically become a, a connection through this, this tactic, I guess. Um, so I was at A3C, sat in on a panel and there was a guy named Jay Rich who, uh, engineers for offset. Um, okay. so he was there and he was talking about an app that he was trying to build. Um, and so like a private community of producers, engineers, uh, and songwriters, and he's trying to like streamline the process, um, by which A and R's can get quality beats, um, you know, quickly for, for their artists and also get producers placements and stuff. Um, so, you know, I, I heard him talk a little bit about that. And afterwards, I'm like, yo, what's up, man? I'm, I'm a rap artist, but I also run a music marketing agency. Um, and I basically asked him, I'm like, I know you work with, you know, Offset and Lil Yachty and all these different people. Um, is there also talent that you're looking to develop that, that you're working on um, that maybe don't have that kind of light yet? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. I'm always working with new artists and stuff. And I'm like, dope. Well, you know, being that I have this marketing thing over here, maybe it's worth having a conversation about. I think I have some things that could really help um, elevate your, the artists that you're working with and, and their brand and their presence on, um, you know, on Spotify and Apple music. And I basically, yeah. you know, threw in there that I'm doing, you know, a million streams or whatever. And like immediately it was like his face lit up and it was just like, Oh, okay. Like he's not coming to me as like, Hey, I'm a rapper, bro. Like, can I get an offset feature? You know what I'm saying? 
And so now, yeah. you know, fast forward you to provided now. provided value. Right, exactly. And, we, and we've massaged the relationship enough that I'm like doing a business development for his company now. So I'm, I'm sort hey, of, one, nice. of the, one of the gatekeepers for producers and engineers to even get into the, the private group. And, you know, there's, there's Grammy nominated producers in there. There's, there's plat, people with platinum records. And, you know, I'll be in this little, little group and it's like, hey, I'm in the studio at DaBaby tonight, semi beats, you know. And so it's like, OK, like now I've I got an entry in that was that was, you know, not direct and I provided value. But now I have value or I, I have value um, provided to me through this opportunity that I'm now able to like submit beats for the baby. And maybe that ends up in a placement. And then my entire trip to Atlanta for A3C is totally worth it, you know, just off of Absolutely. that, that yep. trail of breadcrumbs. So, um, yeah, you know, like the whole reason I'm doing the, the, the three different businesses and stuff like that is because I, I have a different value proposition based on who I'm talking to. So I think that's really important too. like be really, really, you know, if you really want to network with somebody, if you really want to build with somebody, then, um, yeah, find, find a way that you can provide value to them. And a lot of times you got to figure that out through asking questions. Um, so. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, I think we probably spoke about that too. And I tell this to people a lot, like when you go to things like this, it's not, it's not the artist that you need to try to like speak to and, and get on board with. Cause right. more often than not, the very successful artist really can't do anything for you. Um, you know, they, they're not in charge of anything. They're just, they're just making music. They're doing their stuff. You want to talk to the guy who's like sitting off to the side on his phone the entire time, you yep. know, the manager or the A&R guy or, you know, the assistant, like whoever it is, those are the people that can get you to where you need to be because they help their artist get to where they are, you know? There, there's only so much, you know, and obviously there's certain artists that can change your life and, you know, whatever, but th those guys are, those guys are, and, and, and girls are hard to get to. So it's it's those those behind the scenes people that are the ones that are important, like like those guys at SoundCloud or Spotify, like all the people that you're talking about and you're making connections with. So yeah, and plus that's, like uh, that's artists, the A plus move. Yeah, and and artists are like also super jaded with you know of course like being course. approached, right? They have fans. If they're big enough for you to be interested in working with them, it's like they've got fans who are hitting them up all the time. They probably get a hundred mm -hmm. Instagram DMs a day. You know what I mean? It's like you, you are not unique, you know? Um, you, you've got some of these right. people, like I, I know some pretty like rock star booking agents that I follow on Instagram that have like 200 followers. You know what I mean? Because they, they, yeah. they just, they just yeah. work their corporate job and, and do their thing in the background. And they're like, you know, they're, they're a mover. You know, they're, they're a shaker in the industry, but like... Yeah, just nobody not, knows. Nobody knows. So like uh, if I were to send them an Instagram DM, like that's going to cut right through they don't get many of those you know then it's about knowing what to say like i always thought about like if i ran into drake like on the street like dude yeah. what would i say <laughs> like and first of all there there'd be uh probably ten thousand other people around you trying to say something to him too. exactly but like <laughs> i don't know like that's a that's a great example of like having no idea like what you could even feasibly come up with value proposition wise like what am i going to do for drake you know what i'm saying like there's, there's nothing. absolutely I can, nothing. I know. Like the only, so like, and I'm in positions sometimes where I'm trying to approach somebody that has that, where it's like, I don't really know. Like, I, I know I want to talk to you because you're available and I'm going to seize this opportunity, but like, I don't know what to do. And, you know, m my best stab at it is like, hey, let me like buy you dinner on me. So at least like the value proposition is like you get free food, you know, or something. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's, then people are like, you know, it's so hard to get people to do like anything like that. So, um, when you get yeah. it, it's, it's nice, but I don't know. <sighs> You're good, man. You, you unloaded, you unloaded a clip. <laughs> I know I unloaded a clip, bro. It's, it's really, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a frustrating thing, but you know, it's necessary. And I think that it has panned out, um, for me in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, if you provide, if you figure out how you can provide value, you'll, you'll, will be able to network so much better. Yeah, no, definitely. So everyone listening, this was another gem that you need to, 
need to hop on board. Figure out ways, I guess the headline would be figure out ways to provide value to those you seek to partner with. <laughs> right. Because, because they're not seeking to partner with you. Oh, yeah. So and figure, if you, out, if, figure that out. If you have a really hard time trying to figure out how to provide value, then maybe you need to go develop some new skill sets. Right. That's <laughs> like, too. Yeah. That's so. too. <laughs> I, I, one thing I also, and again, I, I always like to relate things back to journalism with you saying that you like to ask like uncomfortable or intense questions. You know, when you ask questions like that, they're going to remember you. Right. Because it's not the standard you know, how did you get your success? Uh, how did you, you know, come up with the, the idea for that song? Uh, what's it like to be on the road? Like, you know, these same questions that they can answer in their sleep um, that's robotic to them, you know, whatever. Ask them something that if, if they pause for a second and really look like they have to like dig something out of them, then, then you won. Yeah. Like you ask them a question that they were not prepared for they're stumbling around a little bit. They're going to remember that. That's that's kind of how I approach interviews too. Like the best compliment I can get is when someone says, "Oh, good question," or yep. "I've never been asked that before." Yeah, or because you now, know, I think yeah. you, you see with like Nardwar and stuff, like sometimes rappers will be asked yeah. questions they're like, "Dude, how did you know that?" Mm-hmm. That's got to be a good or one. Or Sean Evans from Hot Yeah, Wind yeah, yeah, is exactly. Great yeah, example. Exactly. Um, yeah, that that kind of stuff's crazy. And they remember you and and you can get those interviews again or they will look forward to speaking to you like, oh, Justin from Rabzilla. Right. Yeah, we had a dope conversation. We didn't talk about anything that I talked about on this entire press run. Yeah. And that was cool because I actually got to kick back and have a conversation. I'd love to talk to Justin again. And that's how I've been able to build a rapport with artists over the years. Like I want to... I want them to be on their toes. I don't want them to just sit there and be like, uh-huh, yeah, this right. is how T- I did it. Tell me about it. your and album. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, what yep. is your, yeah, I mean, just all the I don't care. <laughs> it's like, I actually don't care. <laughs> tell me Tell yeah. me something I can't Google. Yep, yep. All right, let, let's let's shift gears. Right, let's shift gears. This was let's actually, do it. Let's, this was actually one of the first questions I had for you. And actually, right. I, this will be an easy answer just from hearing everything you were talking about but you call yourself the james bond of rap so mr bond can you <laughs> please explain what that means yeah that that um moniker somebody called me that one time so like my brand um i guess is is built around the passions that i have um so i'm very passionate about business i'm very passionate about finance um like you know all that kind of stuff um and so somebody was like, yo, you're like the James Bond of rap. And I just like, okay, cool. And um, somebody- Thanks for the like, free branding. <laughs> well, well, see, I, I didn't even think of it at, at, like that at first. But then somebody, that same day, I was at a show um, and I was talking to one of the sound guys and he was like, yeah, so like, how would you describe what you do? And I was like, um, I, I guess I'm like the James Bond of rap. And, and they, like the, the, <laughs> the person that I was talking to and somebody else, they were like, dude, that's so awesome. And it, like, it was- I don't know. I was just like, okay, I just said that because somebody else described that. And I was like, oh, that's fair. Um, but I basically had another situation like that where I brought that up and somebody thought it was, you know, cool or like, that's, that's like, no one has that or whatever. And so I decided to just run with it, um, sort of as a, a, a quick one liner that encapsulates what they're going to get out of, you know, my music, my brand, my page. Um, you know, I'm, I'm obviously not a British spy. Um, but really, you, you kind of know yet. you kind of know the aesthetic you're gonna get, um, and the types of things that I'm gonna be talking about that I'm interested in, you know. Um, and so that was like the best the best way to, I don't know, to to communicate that quickly and effectively. Yeah, it's it's a good it's a good elevator pitch line. Where exactly. It's just like, All yeah. right, so yeah. you, you have five seconds. I the James Bond of rap. And it's like, wait a second, I have some follow-up questions. Exactly. Now. No, that, that's the perfect way to put it. No, that's the perfect way to I don't way get what it. that means. Explain it to me. Yeah, it right. sounds cool. I wonder what your music sounds like. You know what I mean? So. Right. Yeah. That's perfect. Okay, so for you, what would you say is your biggest rock star moment or moment of success as an artist so far? Oh, um... 
let me give let me give three different ones for three different sects of my business. Okay, so because um, it's hard to I pick. Didn't, they all, I didn't expect this to be easy. It's not that easy, um, but uh, I have clearly identified one. So the, the one on the live side of things is I opened for. Um, Carrie Hilson at the University of Southern Mississippi okay. in 2016. Nice. So I basically got my first, you know, four digit or my second, it would be my second four digit check um, from, you know, a live performance. And I got to go on stage and play for 30 minutes in front of 6,000 people. Um, so like, that was amazing. Like, I was like, yo, this is what, this is like the dream. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I made it. I just made this much <laughs> money to just come out here and just play songs that I love in front of this many people. And, uh, so that was amazing. Um, from the, from the publishing side, I've had a lot of like big, big placements. Um, I think a really cool one was pretty recent, um, during the Logan Paul and KSI rematch fight. It was okay. a boxing match. Yep. Um, one of the, 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 one of the guys that was fighting right before their match was a, a guy by the name of Devin Haney. Who's a who's a professional boxer? I think he's undefeated. He, I think somebody told me that he's like Floyd Mayweather's like protege, and so uh, he actually walked out to my song in the Staples Center, which was like crazy. Hey, um, and so that was like a because like I've had placements, but this was like playing in a physical like space that's like famous. You know what I'm saying? The Staples Center, like that's right, pretty right. dope. And so that was really um, really cool for me. And then uh, on the streaming side of things, I guess, I mean, Elon Musk hit a million on Spotify. That's the first time I've ever um, hit a million on a single song on a single platform. So um, that happened recently, too. So I guess those are like three pretty good examples so far. Hopefully, we'll be able to replace some of those in the future. But uh, yeah. Now, now, here's the question. How do you get Elon Musk to hear Elon Musk? Yo, I, man, I've thought about this. Um it, actually, it's funny because um, I actually reached out to uh, several people at SpaceX and a few, like a few others. So there was this um, Google Chrome extension that was out for a little while. I can't remember what it was, what it was called, but it would essentially like scour the internet for contact information, right? So like if it could find okay. anyone's anyone's email, like it would just pull it into there. So I could I could just search SpaceX you know, as, as a company. And it would give me like a list of people and what they do. I think it pulled a lot from LinkedIn, which is really cool, but, um, awesome, awesome extension. But yeah, I, I sent it out to, um, to some of them. Uh, I, I tried to get people to tag them before, but I just don't have like enough engagement for it to matter on somebody like Elon Musk, right. you know, um, seeing that notification. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, as soon as I figure that out, I'll let you know because I mean a, a retweet from him. I bet like I would just love to see the numbers uh, on like that'll make your jump to two million. Yeah, pretty quickly. Yo, that would be so crazy. That would be such a like a great case study, like the Elon Musk retweet effect. You know, uh, like <laughs> the, a dude that is like like so of the culture. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you'll find out that Elon was was uh, smoking weed while while uh, designing the next the next weird looking box truck and then listening to a song about him. It would be like Inception. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. No, I hope, dude, if that happens, that would definitely, that would definitely become a, a number one moment. I'm writing that story if it happens. Okay. I, I want, Sounds I want, good. I want dibs on it. <laughs> you got it. All right, it. so what, what about on the, on the flip side, what would you say is your biggest failure or regret so far? Oh, wow. Um, so I don't like in terms of career failures, failures, I don't really see them as failures. I know that's a very cliche. Um, but there are, there are a whole bunch of micro failures that happen, but really I don't see them as failures. I I see them as like changes in direction, you know, like, so if something's not working, Mm -hmm. I go, okay, great. I've eliminated that as an option. Now I, I have the ability to progress to try something else. Um, And so in terms of that, I don't have anything, but I've spent a lot. I mean, I have worked for 10 years. I have spent the vast majority of every single day, basically, uh, of my life, like focused on on creating music, trying to get people to listen to music, creating content for it. And, uh, you know, that comes at the expense of a lot of things. You know, Um, when I was in high school, like nobody else saw the vision 
And so a lot of my friends, um, uh-huh. you know, distanced themselves. We, we, we had falling outs. Uh, um, we fell out. Um, I, I didn't go to as many like high school events that I would have, have liked to have gone to, you know, instead of going to some of the football games, I was just at home making music or, or whatever. Um, and so I had to sacrifice a lot of different things that would, you know, you know, be synonymous with like the, the caricatured experience, I guess, um, to some extent, uh, and, and in, in pursuit of this passion of mine, I mean, I had to put a lot of things on the back burner. I had to cut a lot of people off and, you know, I, I've, I talked to Mowgli about this Mowgli, the iceberg. He's one of my best friends. Um, it's his birthday today. It is when you're listening, not when you're listening to this, but (laughs) the day we're actually recording this, it is his birthday. Yes. Yes. Um, but I, I was talking to him about how dope it is now coming from like the city that I came from to, you know, and not having anyone around like that to, to have friends that are doing the same things that I'm doing where we can have, where I can talk to them about numbers and business and music and what we're trying to do without like shutting these people off, you know? And so I have found, you know, my best friendships through business because that's the stuff that I'm interested in. And, um, you know, so that's why, you know, me and Mowgli are like very, very much on the same, same wavelength because, um, we right. both, we're both interested in the same things. And I finally, you know, found people like that. Those people exist. They're just not, you know, they weren't in my local market. And so, um, I've started to gain, you know, a, a lot of, uh, you know, the feeling of, you know, friendship, genuine friendship that, that I, I missed out on for a, a you know, big period of my life because I finally found people that like, are interested in the same things that I am, you know? Now, tell me, what is next for Nate Rose? Oh, all right. So right now I am gearing up for a strong 2020. So I'm sitting on um, a few features that are, that are going to push the needle, I think, a lot. Um, uh, you know, some bigger names, I guess. And then... Uh, I'm, I'm planning on just upping the content. I really need to like sit myself down and finish records. Um, and so I, uh-huh. I've been finding the motivation to do that uh, recently. And so what I'm trying to do is like get them done and then put them into a calendar of like, hey, this is when I'm going to distribute them, um, get the graphics done for them and just get like finally get ahead of the curve in terms of the content. Um, and so I have some strategies on how I'm going to like increase my output um, and then if I see the same kind of growth, uh, revenue wise, as I did from 2018 to 2019, um, for 2019 to 2020, um, then I will probably end up hiring, um, like a full-time media guy. Okay. So, you know, fingers crossed, but that, that will help alleviate a lot of the, um, a lot of the stress there of like having to create everything and do everything, um, you know, so then that, that will help me just focus on the music. Like I'm, I really don't, right. I, I enjoy connecting with people and my fans and like, I love talking and all this, but like, I don't really like the, I'm not a fan of having to create content to like keep up on social media. I, I don't even mm-hmm. think I would have it's Twitter. exhausting. Yeah, it really is. And I, I don't think I would have, you know, Twitter or Instagram or whatever, if, if I didn't have a business, um, you know, and it, but you know, it comes with the territory, like that's a great tool. And so like, I got to use it, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I prefer to just like, I'm a little bit old school and that I just like prefer to just live life. You know what I mean? Like I went on a cruise and yep. the, the cruise was like total disconnection and it was amazing. Um, uh, cruises are amazing. Yeah. It was my first one, but, um, but yeah, I think, uh, I'm going to release uh, a lot of music in 2020. Um, I'm going to put a lot more money behind it. Um, I'm just trying to see, I'm shooting for the stars in 2020. I'm ready to, I think I'm ready. I mean, I think the brand's ready. I think the, I mu- think you're the ready. music's ready. Like, um, you know, I, I've got my team, I've, I've got the, the vision and all that. So, um, I think it's just a, a matter of like, you know, pushing the throttle and, and making it happen. Yep. You just need, you just need to like buckle down and be like, all right, let's do it. Like you have the tools, yep. you know what you need to do. You just got to do it. Yep. And then. That's how I feel with this podcast. I didn't, uh, I got about 15 episodes in and then I didn't do anything for about six or seven months. And now I'm hitting the floor. I'm like hitting it hard, like 
for four interviews in two weeks, and I'm just planning ahead and getting everything ready. Yep. And I want to turn this turn this into something bigger, and that's that's the motivation, especially with the new year coming. You know, you you hit the ground running with the new year. Right. Right. Yeah. So, it, it feels so, okay. good. It feels like a fresh start. I think everybody gets invigorated yeah. by that. Um, it's it really it really kind of is an arbitrary <laughs> like divider line, but it's it just psych- psychologically, you know. Has some yeah, kind it's like of effect a clean on slate. Us. Yeah, exactly. It feels yep. like that. Okay, so we we've we've spoken about a lot of things, a lot of gems in this episode. So if you were to sum it up, what would you say is the the key to the survival of the artist in 2019 and beyond? The key. Um invest in yourself. Um stay consistent. Um and learn as much as you can. Uh, this is, I didn't touch on this tool before, but like, yo, YouTube university is crazy. <laughs> YouTube is like one of the craziest things to, to have happened because you know, you, they, they have essentially created a platform that incentivizes experts to create content because they can now make a living and have a new source of income, right? From ad supported views. So you've got all these experts in all these different fields who are now are incentivized to tell you their secrets because they get traffic and make money. That's incredible because for us as consumers, there's just an endless landscape of knowledge. That's just, you know, free for us to to take. I mean, you can find all kinds of stuff on YouTube. You can find like, like full college lectures. If you wanted to go like even that deep, you know what I'm saying? There, there's all kinds of stuff. So there's really no excuse if you have internet access and you have YouTube and like, yo, you, you've got it all in front of you, anything that you want to learn. Um, and it's just a matter of doing, but yeah, invest in yourself, um, learn as much as you can and stay consistent. I mean, I think that's the formula. All right. So that is Nate Rose dropping gems, dropping bombs. I mean, there there's go. so much to unpack in this episode. I felt like every every single question was just like hit dead on. Like I could isolate this and and put it on YouTube University, and, <laughs> and you can and you can learn something. I'm glad so, you I'm glad you feel that way because I I feel like I'm just rambling and saying things as they come to my head. So, <laughs> I mean, generally when people ramble about something, they they most of the time sound somewhat smart if they're organized with their thoughts. So. Even okay. if you completely made everything up, I feel like you'd definitely convince a lot of people that you know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right, good. The The facade is still there. <laughs> the, the, the facade is still there. That's your that's your James Bond, like, secret power. I'm changing it on um, Instagram. But, uh, I mean, man, thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time out to do this. I appreciate you even more taking the time to record your own audio yeah. to make this sound super crisp for everybody listening. And um, real quick, plug uh, plug your your socials and, and where people can hear you and listen to you, follow you. Sure. Yeah. Um, you can find me everywhere on socials at Nate Rose Music. Um, it's R-O-S-E, like the flower, um, not R-O-W-S. I've had a couple people get that confused. Uh, but yeah, on you know, you can basically search me anywhere. Um, I checked the SEO before I had my brand transition. So Nate Rose, that's me everywhere. Uh, yeah, but Spotify, Apple Music, go check out the music if you're interested. Um, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Justin, thank you so much for having me, man. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on here and just talk about things that I'm passionate about. And I'm excited to, uh, you know, continue our relationship even beyond this podcast. So, yes, sir. Me, me too, man. This, this has been great. I learned a lot myself too. So now I, we, we definitely, we definitely, uh, provided value for each other. Awesome. So. Your whole, your whole, uh, your whole thing is, is the real deal. (laughs) I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. All right, man. Take it easy. Have a good night. All right. Peace, bro. Peace. All right. So that was a super dope conversation with Nate Rose. Like I said, I've, I've known about him for a few years through Mowgli, the iceberg who we mentioned a few times. Um, I did meet him at A3C last year, very briefly, but this year we actually got a chance to sit down and have like an hour long conversation about just music and CHH and, and different things of, of that respect. And I was like, I got to get this guy on my podcast once I kick this thing into gear again. So shout out to Nate Rose. Thank you uh, for dropping all these gems on us. If you're listening for the first time, 
This is the Survival of the Artist podcast, and I love to like dig deep into how artists make it on their own, how they're successful, and even maybe if they're not as successful as they want to be, how they're you know, on their way getting there, what sort of, again, like Nate said, what sort of value can we bring to other people that maybe we could have had or was provided to us? So that was super dope. The last episode was Sean C. Johnson. I don't know who's coming next, but if you like what you heard, please like, subscribe, comment, share. Um, I have a Patreon, which is linked below that you can donate to, and hopefully we can blow this thing up. Um, you can follow me at Justin Sarachik on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'll spell Sarachik because it's hard. S-A-R-A-C-H-I-K. So at Justin Sarachik. Let me know what you think about the podcast. Let me know what you don't like, but please be, be very gentle because I do have feelings. <laughs> and uh, that's it. Thank you so much for listening and Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, which is crazy to say.